The future is a hefty responsibility and not one that we take lightly. But then taking things lightly has never been what hefty is about. That's why we've created the Hefty Renew program that turns hard to recycle plastics into valuable resources like park benches and building materials. To participate, simply fill up an orange Hefty Renew bag with accepted items, tie it up, and drop it in with your regular recycling. That's it. It's that easy. It's time to rethink recycling with Renew. Particular valued resources may vary by geography. More info available at heftyrenew.com. If someone promised you a way to end all of your current money problems, but your soul would belong to them in the next life, would you do it? And then we travel to Australia to take a look at the story of a young school teacher who was out for a nature walk one day. While out enjoying the sights and sounds of this beautiful world we live in, she sees a small clay statue wedged into the branches of a tree. But after examining the statue, she continues her walk along the trail and finds something far more hideous. Today on Dead Rabbit Radio. Hey everyone, welcome back to another episode of Dead Rabbit Radio. I'm your host, Jason Carpenter. I'm having a great day. I hope you guys are having a great day too. I hope you guys are having tons of fun. New Transformers movies coming out. I know that's a warning for some of you. You're like, no, no, not again. Oh man, I love those movies. Beast Master People. I don't know what it's called yet, but it looks pretty dope. Don't know why I'm talking about it at the beginning of a paranormal podcast, but someone who's always able to decipher my lunacy walking into Dead Rabbit Command right now is one of our longtime Patreon supporters and a supporter during the Thanksgiving livestream episode. Everyone, get on your feet and give it up for Rudy Jazz. Woohoo! Yeah, come on in, Rudy Jazz, walking on in to Dead Rabbit Command. Rudy Jazz, correct me if I'm wrong, but I think Rudy also has 100% attendance for our. Sunday live stream episodes. I record Monday's episode live for the Patreons on the Patreon Discord. It's a lot of fun. If you guys haven't joined us yet, you can hear me. You can hear all the mistakes I edit out. I edit out all the bad jokes, uh, but none of the mispronunciations. Oddly enough, Rudy Jazz, I'm going to go ahead and toss you the keys to the Dead Rabbit Dirgible. We're going to leave behind Dead Rabbit Command. Fly us all the way out to the house of a young man. This guy posted this story online recently. We don't have his real name. He's remaining anonymous. We're going to go ahead and call him Terry. And Terry posted this story. He goes, listen, I'm in a bit of a pickle. (laughs) That's kind of underselling it. He's going through some money trouble. Something that we all face at one time or another. And Terry goes, things just are not good. Like, everything is stagnated in my life. I'm on disability, so I have a fixed income. My family is in need, and I'm not able to provide for them, and it's just, it's getting me down. I don't know what to do. And when my wife took my hand in marriage, I assumed, I hoped, that we would have a bright future, but I'm looking around at everything, and my wife deserves better, my family deserves better. I need money to get out of this situation. And he says, I started working with a witch. You put this witch in quotation marks. I started working with a witch. So we don't know, is this like a fortune teller? 
is this someone who actually claims to have magical powers, or is it like a shaman type person? This is a fairly recent story. I found it on the X board. So we're not like an old-timey France. But he said he'd been working with a witch to get money. Not working for a witch to get money. She's like, sweep up my shop and watch out, that broom's magical. He's been working with this witch to see if she can cast any spells, work any charms for him to be able to get rich. And he goes, I was told, and he seems to be kind of dismissive of the whole thing. Like, again, putting witch in the quotation marks, it seems like he's not a huge believer in all of this. But, you know, when you're desperate, you'll do anything, even do things you may think are impossible. He says he started working with this witch, and the witch told him, okay, so here's the deal. You are going to come into a lot of money very, very soon. And that's just going to happen. But there's strings that come along with that money. And you'll be given a choice when this money arrives. So it's not like a raise on his disability checks. It's not anything like that. She says, you're going to come into a lot of money and you're going to have a choice. If you choose to reject the money, everything will be the way it is right now, which just sounds pretty sucky, honestly. But this money will be provided for you. And if you accept this money in your next life, you will become a vampire. Whatever, right? You're hitting, you're sitting here, this witch is telling you, first off, you're talking to a witch. Secondly, she's saying, if you take the money, you'll become a vampire. And you may go, and I, Terry might have thought this as well, vampire, do vampires even exist? Does reincarnation even exist? Like, that sounds like a sweet deal, because if I don't believe in vampires, and I don't believe in reincarnation, if I just believe that this is the only life I have, and I'm offered a bunch of money, of course I'll take it, because I don't believe in those other two things. But I think... Whether or not you believe in those things, I think your belief would be tested by what happens next. On October 9th, 2022, Terry finds out that he is going to receive millions of dollars. Far beyond what he was even thinking to ask for. Millions of dollars. And he goes, I'm not going to tell you like how... I got it, or where it's coming from. But he goes, picture the lottery. We're talking like that level of money and that level of luck. Like if you had a rich relative and he's like, oh man, I I need more money. I can't wait till Uncle Milford dies. He has millions of dollars and I was his favorite nephew. It wasn't that. He goes, the chances of me coming across this money this way was so laughably small. The only way I could have come across this amount of money in this way is through magic. I mean, when you do look at lottery odds, right, they are just so infinitesimally small. But somebody has to win. And that's really the issue that Terry is going through. He goes, listen, I don't know if I want to accept this money. Because let's be logical about this. Somebody has to win the lottery, if it was actually the lottery, but that's kind of what he compared compared it to, right? Somebody has to get this money somehow, right? And it could have just been a total coincidence that I was talking to this witch, 
And she said that I was going to come into a lot of money, but if I accepted it, I was going to have to become a vampire in my next life. It could just be a coincidence. But, if it's not, and I accept this money, and it solves all of my problems in front of me right now, if the witch is right, when I die, what will I become? The rest of the conversation, that was the only time that he really posted that I could tell. Export, it's anonymous, so you don't know who's posting, saying what. Most of the conversation then revolved around whether or not vampires were real. Then he had some energy vampire show up, which did a great job sucking the energy out of me because of how boring the post was. You know, energy vampires, I've met a lot of people who claim to be energy vampires. I I believe, here's, it's funny because, you know, putting my cards on the table, well, hey, let's put all the cards on the table. I think vampires are really cool, right? Huge fan of Buffy, Angel, used to play that game, Vampire the Masquerade, not the video game, he used to do like the live action role playing thing back in college. I love vampires, I think they're dope, I think it's awesome. But I, I, I guess I believe in a sense that energy vampires do exist. I don't think they'd be posting on the X board or really anywhere. Um, but maybe that's just because I figured they're fighting Buffy somewhere. I do believe that you could have an energy vampire. I believe that there's a lot of paranormal entities that can feed off human energy as well, which we would call vampiric. So I'm not against the idea of vampires. And even the idea of reincarnation. That's something that's always... I like the idea of reincarnation. I think it's... I like Earth. right? The idea of going up to some unknowable paradise for the rest of eternity. That is scarier to me than coming back as a beaver. Building dams all day long. Do I believe in reincarnation? I don't know. I, I, I would like to. And that would be the same thing I would say about vampires. Like traditional vampires. Do I believe in them? I would like to. I would like them to exist. <laughs> I, I sleep at night with my collar pulled down. I'm like, Lestat, come and feed off me. It's such an, this, this is such an interesting thing. Now, it could totally be made up, right? This could totally be a lark. But I find it... So interesting because if it's not, this dude is faced with a huge dilemma. Millions of dollars. Millions of dollars. He can finally, quote-unquote, fix all of his problems. At least all of his money-related problems. We did a whole episode about money. I think money is its own entity. I did an episode, there was a Greek god called Moneta. That I believe that we pray to whenever we're talking about, I need more money, I want more money, I don't have enough money. It's actually these prayers to this long, hidden God. So I'm not a big fan of the pursuit of money. But I also know that we live in a world where money is needed. Right? Especially when you have a family. And I get where this guy's coming from. I'll put that episode in the show notes, but... I try personally not to use words like, I'm broke. Because, you know, you're not broke. That's a bad term for it. It makes it sound like there's something 
incurable about you. I need more money. I want more money. I try not to use terminology like that. I don't have enough money. But anyways, I, I mean, you do need money to function in society. We don't live in a Star Trek utopia yet. I'm sure someday we will. But nowadays you need money. Terry has a family and he wants to not just provide the base level for them. He wants them to have a better life. I totally get it. But he's now faced with a question. Does he take this money? Now, I know a lot of you would go, yeah, dude, take the money. Vampires don't exist. Reincarnation isn't real. It's just a coincidence. Or maybe the witch did cast some sort of spell to get you the money. I believe in witches, but I don't believe in vampires or reincarnation. Take the money. It's funny, though, because it's such a big gamble, isn't it? Imagine, let's let's twist the words right. Maybe you don't believe in vampires or reincarnation. Let's say the witch said... <coughs> <coughs> let's say the witch said, you'll be getting millions of dollars soon, but if you accept it, you'll sell your soul to the devil. In the afterlife, you will be trapped in hell for eternity. That would make even people who don't believe in vampires and reincarnation, that would kind of make you go, oh, okay, well now we're on something that I do believe in, uh, the afterlife, a paradise, and a punishment. Would you take the money? Because at the end of the day, you have to look at it and go, this could be a coincidence, and this could solve all of my money problems. I would be a fool to not take that money. I, I have to take that money, of course. It's childish to think that a witch gave me this. It was just a coincidence. The thing is, is I imagine that he would spend the rest of his life. Terry will most likely accept the money. I think any of us would accept the money. I don't think most of us would go to a witch asking for it in the first place because of situations like this, right? If you say, I've prayed to God a million times for things to get better, today I'm going to pray to the Dark Lord Lucifer and see if he has something to help me with. And then that's when the miracle happens. You're in trouble now, right? You've now, again, the miracle could have been coming no matter what. It could have just been coincidence, but... Terry's going to spend the rest of his life if he accepts this money, and I'm sure he will. Because how could you not? Right? Terry's going to spend the rest of his life fearing death. More than any of us do. Because he will, in the back of his mind, no matter what he's doing, believe that he's going to become a vampire in the next life. And you go, Jason, but vampires don't exist. Reincarnation isn't real. He'll be fine. But at the end of the day, if you were Terry, could you ever be 100% sure? And again, if it was just turning into some sort of emotional energy vampire, sure, I can do that. That's fine. He would always wonder, he would always wonder if that deal is on the table. It's an interesting story. I found it absolutely fascinating. It was sad to see that most of the export were just calling him out, saying he was making it up, do vampires exist, stuff like that, and not looking at the, the core question, like, what would you do? If you really sat down to think about it, what would you do? And I, I would be surprised if anyone would leave the money on the table. But again... It may be because you don't believe in these things, but if it was in something you did believe in, if you take this money, you're selling your soul to the devil. If you take this money, 
Or, you know, what's even worse is what if the witch said something like, you're going to come into a lot of money someday, but somebody very close to you, they're going to die prematurely. And at the time, you may go, like, whatever. Like, I don't really believe... I'm putting you witch in air quotes. I don't really believe in any of this. And then you win the lottery. And if you accept that money, someone close to you is going to die prematurely. The, it, all of these things. Like, he's he's unfortunately created this situation that it may be the witch's power that led him to this money, or it may have been a coincidence. But whatever it is... He has created the situation where they are intrinsically tied together. And he'll never be able to separate them. But he really, really needs that money. Rudy Jazz, let's go ahead and toss you the keys to the carpenter copter. We are leaving behind this man on the verge of a huge decision. You're like, Jason, it's not that big of a decision. Just take the money. Vampires don't exist. Ah. Well, Rudy, go ahead and fire up the carpenter copter. We're leaving behind this dude. Fly us all the way out to Australia. I found this story posted online. There was a really cool write-up by a person who goes by the name Steosphere? Steosephir? I'd never heard of this story before. I was, you know, I read constantly. I spend hours a day just reading online posts to find stuff for the show i say hours a day it's like it's just two hours a day i'm not like a wizard sitting in the library i'd love to though i'd love to just read eight hours a day pulling stuff up who knows what we would find at that point but anyways uh steo sefer i've never heard of this story thank you so much for doing a little write-up on this and uh sent me off on a really cool and they cited their sources i really enjoyed that it's super important more people need to do that so thank you i had fun looking into this this is weird this is a weird one the year is 1975 we're in victoria australia which is about 100 miles southwest of melbourne this place is pretty remote Victoria, Australia seems to be pretty remote. Victoria, Australia has a permanent population of four. Not, not 4,000. I didn't, I didn't leave out a couple zeros there. Four people are the permanent residents of this area. At least it was back then. I mean, it could be a sea of condos by now, but... You would have campers come out there. It seemed to be a pretty beautiful place. The kangaroo cage matches were off the hook. There was a river in the area. You'd have a bunch of hippies with their tents set up. They weren't they weren't the permanent four people. Those are people who actually had houses. It's remote. It seems to be a fairly remote area. Well, in 1975, near the Kennet River, there is a road called Dean's Marsh Road. Out in this area back in 1975, there was a school teacher just walking out in the wilderness, nature walk. And while she's on her travels, she sees a curious object wedged into the branches of a tree. It was like the tree kind of forked out into two main parts of their branches and wedged into that was a 14-inch tall clay statue. The school teacher walks up. We'll call her Betty. She didn't give her name. Betty reaches out and she grabs this clay statue, and she's looking at it. It's a little tiny woman. Statue of a tiny woman. 
Well, it's not the statue of a tiny woman. It's a tiny statue of a woman. She's looking at it, and the statue's left arm is missing. A curio, to say the least, right? You have this little tiny statue. It's clay. It's not made of the most durable material. I mean, I guess they used to build houses out of it, but it's a clay statue with a broken left arm. She wedges it back into the tree. Maybe someone will come back for it. She continues on her journey. But she doesn't get far. She doesn't get far. Because she sees nearby on the shores of the Kennet River a dead body. Who knows how she called the police, right? She's in the middle of nowhere. Cell phones don't exist. Maybe she had some little tattooed piece of skin on her arm that linked up to the local constable. She must have at some point (laughs) walked back to her car and notified the police because the police show up out there and they see where the school teacher directs them to go, the nude body of a dead woman on the shore of this river. The police go up. They take a look. And her left arm is amputated. Now, the school teacher had also told the police about the clay statue. So the police have this clay statue of a woman with no left arm. And now they have, very close to the location of this statue, it's in the middle of nowhere, you have a statue with no left arm, and now you have the dead body of a woman with no left arm. They take the body back to the coroner. Do an autopsy. What happened here? The body had no idea. They had no idea who this woman was. The coroner goes, well, she seems to be around 26 years old. She also did not die from drowning. So it doesn't seem like this was some sort of accident that happened. She'd fallen into the water and skinny dipping or something like that. But I don't know how she died. I, I can rule out drowning, but other than that, but other than that, I can't give you any idea of how she died. And the police go, okay, well, did we tell you did we tell you about the spooky statue? Did we tell you about the spooky statue that we found nearby? It was missing its left arm, and her left arm's been amputated. And the doctor goes, Well, yeah, I look I didn't know I didn't know about the spooky statue. Thanks. I'm not gonna be able to sleep tonight. But her arm wasn't amputated recently. I can tell you that much. Like her arm has been gone for several years. In fact, I would say that it's been amputated maybe as far back as when she was four years old. So I can't tell you exactly when her arm was removed, but it definitely wasn't a recent event. It's been gone for quite a while. But other than that, I don't have much information to tell you. Well, I should stop there. That's all the information the police have revealed, at least. I mean, the coroner may have found other stuff that they wanted to keep quiet. But there was stuff the police didn't want to keep quiet. They wanted to know the identity of this woman. And it actually became a news story in Australia where there were photographs of the statue and a police sketch of the woman. And knowing that her arm had been amputated for quite a long time, 
they begin to put out into the community, does anyone know of a young woman who's missing who didn't have an arm? Didn't have a left arm. Now, her arm was amputated about seven inches below the elbow. Why? Nobody knows. But they started putting that out. I mean, how many young women are out there missing a left arm that was cut off below the elbow? I mean, there can't be a lot of them. There's only four people in total living in this area. Does anyone know who the girl is? Maybe that can help us find out how she died or who killed her. And at this point, you started seeing stories in the media that she may have been killed as some sort of human sacrifice. Some sort of witchcraft ritual was the term that was used in these articles. And the police are based... This is in 1975. I know a lot of people like to think that the satanic panic took place in the 80s. It's much longer and much more... There was more evidence to the satanic. I'm not saying all of it was real, but some of it was. They try to always go, oh, people were just crazy back then. There's some weird stuff going on. They always just try to blow it off as a moral panic. But there were crimes being connected to dark groups, shadowy cults, Luciferian orders. Some of those crimes were actually legit. And the police in 1975, they say, we know that there are stories of ritual murders in other countries, so we're not totally blowing it off here. It's possible that this, in some way, involved witchcraft. And what made them think that was the statue? Like, what are the, what are the chances of those two things being near each other? So the police go out to the hippie encampment and they begin questioning people there if they had seen anything. They're like, are you saint worshiper? They're like, no, I believe in peace, love, and harmony. They're like, okay. They question the hippies and they're no help. They don't have any information that the police can use that bring them any closer to finding out who this woman is or how she died. And to this day, we still don't know. This case is 47 years old. We don't have a name. We don't have a cause of death. We don't know who may have caused that death. And we don't know the relationship between her and the statue. It's an unsolved mystery. It's interesting because had the statue not been located, had it not been found or wasn't there in the first place, it would have seemed like a Tragic accident. Or possibly a murder, right? The coroner couldn't rule anything out but drowning. I guess he could probably also go, well, she wasn't decapitated. She wasn't shot in the face with a shotgun. There's a lot of stuff I can rule out. She wasn't attacked by a squid. But he couldn't determine the cause of death. He just knew that drowning definitely wasn't it. She was dead before she hit the water. It probably just seemed like either a accident, some sort of accident, or a murder. But when they found the statue, that's what turned it into this idea that this is some sort of ritualistic murder. 
Because at the end of the day, what are the chances of you finding a statue near a dead body? I guess that's not. You die in a figurine shop, you're like, oh, they'll never solve my murder. I guess that's possible. Again, they're out in the middle of nowhere, but there's a statue in the same area as this woman's body is found. But what connects them is the statue's missing its left arm. She's missing her left arm. And it's a story like that that's just so open-ended. You can just, again, kind of use your imagination, or not, if you don't want to think about it. You don't want to think about this poor, unidentified victim lying on the beach somewhere. It does, like, was the statue made for her? Was she trying to perform some sort of ritual with some sort of group? Was she in the same predicament as Terry was in? Was trying to look for any any solution to whatever problems were plaguing her life and the ritual went wrong? Was she a victim of some sort of satanic group and this effigy of her was part of a ritual for them? We don't know. We have no answers to any of these questions. Did there just happen to be a statue of a woman there? unrelated and its arm just broke off the wallaby was like playing around with it and broke its arm off and ran away totally unrelated and what's interesting about it there's that old case we've never covered it on the podcast because it's so famous the other day fabio nervon a longtime supporter of the show emailed me and i think we talked about it a bit on the discord server as well but i can't remember emailed me that the summer 10 man case had been solved i see i think i had always i see this happen so many times oh they solved the outlaw pass oh they solved this oh they solved that and so i just kind of brushed it off (laughs) honestly i was just like oh someone else solved it but fabio after he sent me this uh youtube video i was like i'll check it out it's probably just some guy's theory no they figured it out summerton man was this guy in brief because it's a super popular case he was found on summerton beach He had no labels on his clothing. He was dead, just laying there. And he had a little piece of paper rolled up that said, Talmud should. That was really all they had to go off for like decades. Who was this man? Why did he die? What's he doing on this beach? Nobody knew who it was. And that was the big thing. Nobody knew who it was. And I'll put this video in the show notes. It's pretty interesting. They explain about people who'd been researching this for decades. And then one day this guy was like sitting at home and he saw, or maybe he was on the web and he saw a thing like five unsolved mysteries that no one knows the answers to. And he's like, oh, this he'd never heard of the Summerton Man case. He's like, oh, I'm going to try to figure that out. And then he started spending a decade or more trying to figure this out. And they started doing DNA tests. And he was able to track, they pulled like hair that was removed from a plaster cast that was made of his face. And there's like three strands of hair. He was able to find his descendants. They were able to give him a name. The Summerton man has a name now. And they were able to track people who were alive when he was still alive. And he killed himself. It was a tragic suicide. He actually had tried killing himself before that. and It's a crazy mystery. It's a crazy story. I'm probably doing it a bit of an injustice by just covering it in brief. 
But again, it's super famous. I'll put the video in the show notes. It's really cool we're getting a conclusion of some of these stories that have plagued people for a long time. The Summerton Man case. We have a solution to the Man from Torred case, a definitive solution to that. We know that was a guy illegally trying to enter the country of Japan, and at some point, the myth became bigger than the facts. And some random dude on Reddit like saw it was like the man from Torred. What? I'll put that episode in the show notes too. He he just saw this and goes, "What? That's a mystery." I I I think I know the answer to that. And he was able to provide newspaper articles showing the trial of this man who everyone else thought came from an alternate reality. So we're getting some really concrete conclusions to some of these cases. But those cases are super well known. They're so well known. I've never talked about the Summerton man on the podcast. The only reason I talked about the man from Torred, which is super well known, is that's one of my favorite paranormal stories. And I like it even more now that we have an indie for it, a real indie that we know what happened. The man from Torred's always been one of my favorite paranormal stories. The reason why I bring those up, no one's researching this girl. I mean, this is a unsolved mystery that's lost among a sea of unsolved mysteries. It was actually included on a list of nine other unsolved mysteries. And, like, they had, like, the Dover Demon. They had uh, who put Bella in the witch, the elm tree or whatever that is. Those are super famous paranormal, quasi-paranormal, but definitely unsolved mysteries that I don't talk about on this podcast because they're so well-known. And then this one is included in that, and I had never heard of it before in my life. Because no one's talking about it. No one's looking into it. And her identity not only remains unknown to this day, but will probably never be revealed. Because it doesn't get the same... And who knows why, right? I'm not saying that there's any sort of hidden agenda. This story's just not getting that much attention. And you have, I mean, the man from Torrid and the Summerton man were both solved because it was constantly being covered in all sorts of media that two people, two random people just happen to stumble across and go, oh, I know the answer to that, or I can find the answer to that, and they did it. But this story remains unsolved and probably will remain unsolved. It's terrifying you think about it because she could have been ritualistically murdered that statue could have been a symbol of the victim or a totem an offering who knows and it's super interesting to think that if the school teacher hadn't been walking down the road this way and i don't think it's actually a paved road again this is the middle of nowhere but I don't, if the teacher wasn't walking by, if she didn't see the statue, if she just saw the body and reported it, and the police came out and they just found the body, it would just be a tragic death. They'd still investigate it, but the statue would have never been found and we wouldn't have had this possible link. And it makes me think, are there other places in Australia? Are there other places around the world where these bodies have been found? These mysteries have begun, but somewhere near that location, a key piece of evidence was never found. A clay statue that is an avatar for the victim. They find the body of a man in the middle of the forest. 
and don't see the clay statue of him buried under a nearby pile of leaves. A young girl's body is dredged out of the water underneath an overpass, and his investigators rule it as a accidental death. They don't notice the clay statue that's a representation of her in the darkness underneath the roadway. The dead woman found in her apartment. No known cause of death, the coroner rules. And as her grieving family arrives at the apartment to pack up her things and to put into storage, nobody takes note of the small clay statue mixed among all the other tchotchkes in this woman's home. Does this story possibly go far deeper than just one woman somewhere in Australia? Was this a ritualistic murder? And do these rituals still take place today? And right now, is somebody slowly but methodically carving out another clay statue? One that looks just like you. DeadRabbitRadio at gmail.com is going to be your email address. You can also hit us up at facebook.com at DeadRabbitRadio. TikTok is at DeadRabbitRadio. DeadRabbitRadio is the daily paranormal conspiracy and true crime podcast. You don't have to listen to it every day, but I'm so glad you listened to it today. Have a great one, guys. <laughs>